As Emily mentioned a few minutes ago, uh, things are picking up here as the fall is getting started. Around the office, we're getting excited as we're looking forward to next Sunday when all the children's ministries begin again. And what we thought we'd do today is the last, this is kind of our last Sunday of our summer break. We thought we'd take a Sunday and just fill it with stories, reflect back on what God did um, over the course of the summer with all the serving teams that went out. You know, 1 Chronicles 16 says this. It says, declare his marvelous deeds among all peoples. You know, I think God is glorified when we reflect back on how he has uh, been at work. You know, in our lives and then also in the lives of people that we go to serve. So today, today is just all about stories. It's stories of Brooksiders, what's happening in their lives and the, the lives of, of people that we go to serve as well. You know, Bill Hybels, uh, he's the founder of The Summit, and he's famous for saying uh, this statement, the local church is the hope of the world. And ever since I heard that uh, statement a few years ago, I've been gripped by its power. It's so simple but so true. You know, the local church really is the hope of the world because Jesus entrusted his followers to carry on his mission. And today, our focus is that this hope This hope is not just for ourselves. This hope is for for the world. You know, Jesus' vision is bold, it's aggressive, it's global. And he's always pushing his followers out of their comfort zone to extend his love in ever-expanding circles of people. God cares way, way too much for people and for the world to be content with the status quo. So we, his followers, make sacrifices and we take initiative to take his message out to the world beyond the walls of our own building and preach the gospel. We find people that don't know uh, about his love and we explain to them how they can experience his love and his grace. But this also means showing God's love in practical ways as well, like helping the poor. You know, God, I think, wants us to be a blessing to all peoples and to the nations. We see that right at the very beginning of the Bible in Genesis 12, God says essentially this, I'm going to bless you so that you can give that blessing to the nations. So we who follow uh, Jesus are insistent about taking that hope beyond the walls of this building and into the world and into places of real need. And you know what? We... uh, We show the love of Christ in practical ways to people that don't believe in God as well. Uh, We don't just show kindness to the people that already know about Jesus. Because that's the way of Jesus and that's what God would want us to do. We serve all people. And today we're going to hear stories about a number of different teams and trips. um, But the first stop for today is Haiti. And uh, we sent a GO team there in June. And actually uh, Steve Parliament led that trip. And uh, Steve uh, retired not long ago, uh, just about a, is it about a year now? About, about a year or two. And um, this has really been a time for you, I think, as I've watched your life of spiritual discovery and spiritual adventure. And Steve, um, you've gone down to Haiti a number of times, sometimes on your own, sometimes with the church, and obviously led the trip this summer. Why are you so passionate about Haiti? Well, I first had the opportunity to go to Haiti two years ago with a a group out of uh, Brookside here, and we uh, provided relief uh, right after the earthquake. And some of you I see in in the congregation today 
And the same reason you went and the same reason I keep going back is the people there. They have so little, but their faith is so strong, and it has uh, strengthened my own faith. Mm. And the first team went right after the earthquake. Yep. And uh, I remember uh, Jen Lemke went on one of those early trips, just fell in love with a little boy that lost his parents in the earthquake. And they're trying to adopt. Uh, hopefully that will, that will happen. But you can't go there and see the need and have your heart not broken by the level of need. So, um, Steve, tell us a little bit about this last trip in June. Well, first of all, uh, the group that we took was just fantastic. Uh, I, I think God handpicked every one of them that went. They all brought with different skills. We had the opportunity to work with, in one of the schools, uh, did some VBS as well as training with the kids. Uh, but in addition, uh, we had a, uh, was involved with a feeding program with the kids. And then uh, we actually did some work in the local community, and that was, that was fun in itself. Uh, we uh, were able to build some pews and desks for the school, which mm. was badly in need. And the, the good thing about that, we, there's a big language barrier there, but when you put men and tools together, there's a common language that is spoke. And it's funny. Everybody just, but me. <laughs> I, I don't have that skill. Yeah, it's funny just watching uh, Zach Christensen and Chris Steer uh, trying to cut wood with five Haitian men uh, at their mm. side telling them where to cut. But the, the, probably the best thing that, for the entire group uh, is the girls' orphanage that we did visit. It's uh, 74 girls in the orphanage. Uh, many of them came from an uh, orphanage that got shut down previously uh, last year. A good thing that it got shut down. There's a lot of child trafficking, a lot of bad things happening to the kids. Uh, we were there as a transition to this new uh, place. They came over very in poor physical conditions, underfed, and a huge outbreak of scabies. But uh, our group was able to pour unconditional love on the kids. It was just fantastic. Uh, Chris Steer's mom actually made dresses for the girls before we left, hand sewed them. And it was like Christmas in June as we distributed the dresses to the girls. And to a T, uh, the girls stole all the hearts uh, of our team. Mm, at that orphanage. That's great. And Steve, uh, you're also, as a side note, getting involved locally here as well. Tell us what you're doing. Okay. Uh, first of all, my wife said I need to find some local uh, places I can volunteer. I just can't keep doing it all in Haiti. <laughs> and, and I agree, there are a lot of local places that we can volunteer in our community. And I had the opportunity, uh, even at my age, to go back to school here uh, a couple years ago to learn Spanish uh, because I felt that I could contribute uh, using that. And God's opened up doors down to the Open Door Mission where I'm able to use that skill now with the Hispanic culture that, uh, and community that uh, visits the Open Door Mission. So I volunteer down there three days a week. Uh, mm -hmm. Becky Maltemeyer wants to do a challenge to our group uh, that uh, if we just make ourselves available to God, he will do the rest. And I have to say she was right because uh, uh, by making myself available, God has done the rest. And he, he's blessed me in many ways as a result of that. Wow. Well, Steve, uh, just watching your life, I really respect how you're using your retirement and volunteering three days a week to help the poor. Um, that's just that's awesome. And that, that often happens when we go on these serving trips. God awakens our eyes to the beauty and the joy of serving others and those in need. And then you come back, and we find places to serve here as well. So I appreciate your doing that. Um, you know, God's Word says that we Christ followers the body are the, is the body of Christ. And uh, sometimes we talk about that metaphor, particularly in terms of us being the hands and feet of Jesus, which in a, in a metaphorical way we are. We carry his mission to the world. But not long ago, I heard someone speak about how the church is also the face of God to the world. And I hadn't thought about it like that, but we really are. Because obviously no one can see God. 
But people that don't know Jesus, don't know God, don't much, know much about him, they can't see him, but they can see us, his followers, his representatives, his, his ambassadors. So the way that we act toward the world, our actions and our words, inform them of God's posture to them. It's almost like our actions form the facial expressions of God to them. I never thought about it like that, but there's so much truth in that. So what do they see? Do they see, does the world see scowling or anger from God, or do they see compassion? And they're going to know that by our actions. And uh, not long ago, uh, Rob actually wrote a song that echoes some of, uh, of this thinking, and um, so I asked him to play it for us now. Yeah, unbeknownst uh, to me that John would share about that sermon that he's just recently heard. Um, I just wrote a, wrote a song uh, called Your Smile on My Face, kind of understanding that a lot of times um, people won't see God uh, but through you. And so, man, if that happens, I want them to see God smiling and loving them. So this is Your Smile on My Face. Here I am, Lord, with an aching heart, one that beats for hurting lives. Remind my soul again of the God you are, and how you make the wrong things right. Cause this is not the way it's supposed to be. Not like the home will someday know. So lead me, Lord, to the place of need that I might be a banner of your grace. And burden me for the ones you love who need to see your smile on my face. never been without the things I need I've never known real days of want hunger injustice and poverty I've never asked from me a song forgive the times that I have turned Drive me humble to my knees And lead me, Lord, to the place of need That I might be a banner of your grace And burden me for the ones you love Who need to see your smile on my face of need that I might be a banner of your grace and burden me for the ones you love who need to see your smile on my face I 
Yeah. Well, thanks, Rob. You know, the, the way of Jesus is not to run from the world, to run from problems, but to move right into the world and to bring hope to people right where they are in the midst of their need. And that's what these serving trips are all about. And the first one we're going to get a chance to, to take a look at and turn our attention to is uh, Royal Family Kids Camp and Track Camps. And these provide Christ-centered camp experiences for foster kids who often experience abuse and neglect. Now, uh, these kids face discouragements and challenges of all kinds and often feel like they have no stable home or caring adults in their lives. And this camp is a free camp, and we get to offer it to under-resourced kids who probably would have no other ability to go to a camp. Now, over 80 of you guys, or 80 Brooksiders, served as camp staff this last summer, which is awesome. And another 30 uh, helped get the camp all prepared and ready. And uh, today, we're going to interview a few of the people that were on the camp staff. And uh, Tammy, you've been to track camp a couple years now, and I think you actually said it was the first track experience you had helped focus your vocation in the social world, uh, social, uh, I can't even say that, now, the social work to, to help foster kids. And uh, you brought somebody with you today. Introduce us. I brought Stephanie with me. Um, Stephanie was one of my children on my caseload when I was a caseworker. I met her in 2009 when I was assigned her family and her whole case. It included her and her seven siblings. Throughout the years, I've been able to watch Stephanie grow both emotionally, physically, and spiritually. Hmm. And she was actually the reason, um, there's a huge turnover rate for caseworkers, and she was the child that made me stay in my prof profession as long as I did. I wanted to see Stephanie find permanency in a permanent home. Hmm. Um, and Stephanie's been able to attend track camp for a few years with me. Great. Well, Stephanie, welcome to Brookside. Uh, thanks for coming. I made her come really early this morning. She's here at what? 7 o'clock, 7.45, something like that. She came in carrying her Starbucks. But, Stephanie, it's great uh, to have you this morning. Thanks for being with us. Most of us here at Brookside have really little understanding of the foster care system. So help inform us. What, what's it like to be a kid in the foster care system? Um, it can be really frustrating at times because you get moved a lot. And I was placed with one of my brothers who has severe behavioral issues. So when he went, I went. And he was moved away from my house, and so I stayed. And, but that was the first time we were separated, but with him gone, like the first few times it was frustrating because I missed him and everything. But then when I stayed in this home, it was better than moving, but a lot of the time I moved because I felt unsafe or he's, his behavioral issues. Hmm. Now, you said you moved quite a bit. What, what would you guess how many homes, different homes have, have you been in? Um, I can count about 20. Wow. 20 homes. So that's even multiple homes in a year then for you. Wow. And um, some of the homes, I'm sure, are probably better than others. So what makes a, a home a better home, a good home in the foster system? Um, just when I walked through the doors of their home, I could feel their love. And I could feel that they were going to love me for me and that they wanted to see who I was going to become, not what I came out of. Oh, wow. And I know some of you are are aware of the needs here with foster kids and beginning to learn how to be a foster parent. So I appreciate your sharing that with us. Uh, 
And um, tell us a little bit about it. You, you went to track camp two years. Tell us a little bit about that and how that experience was for you. I mean, it was great just because I was surrounded by other foster kids who went through similar or completely different things than I had. But we grew, like, close, and we were just able to get to know each other. And it was great knowing that there's other kids out there that have experienced the same thing as I have. That's great. And I, I hear that you're thinking about trying to apply to be a, a volunteer at Royal Family Kids Camp next year. Now, why are you doing that? Just because I look at it a way to give back to the community and let foster kids know that anything good can happen out of a bad situation. And I plan on going into social work so I can continue to give back to the community and the foster cares. That's amazing. Hey, let's give a hand to Stephanie. Yeah, that's so cool. Stephanie, um, I so appreciate the fact that you faced the challenges in your life and now you're willing to say, I want to give back. I want to give back to others. And, um, you know, uh, this morning's all going to be about telling stories of Brooksiders. Um, and Stephanie actually attends another church. But it's intimidating to get up here and tell your story in front of people. And uh, I really appreciate your doing that this morning. And, um, yeah, how about another hand for <laughs> Stephanie? Yeah, I appreciate that. John, you went to track camp this year. Tell us about that. Uh, track camp. This is kind of my second year, and just if you don't know track camp, it's something that will just leave you completely humbled and, and really in mm. awe of what Brookside can do locally, that the impact that Brookside can have. Um, this year was, was kind of an interesting year. I, was, uh, I felt like the Holy Spirit was preparing me for a challenge this year, and I, and I told my life group this, and I told my wife, and I said, pray for me and, mm. and just get me ready for, for for what the Holy Spirit has for me. And, and then I got to camp and, and I was paired with, or God sovereignly paired me with, uh, we're gonna call the camper Ben, that's not his name, but we'll call him Ben. Ben was uh, ben had a difficult start to camp to say the least. And, and as we grew closer through camp, um, I started to notice a little bit of a change, but the last night Ben was able to hear a salvation story uh, from one of the camp workers that had been through the foster care system. And, and that led to just a major transformation in Ben. And, and Ben then sought me out and, and was ready to say, like, what's it mean to accept Christ? Mm. You know, I go to church. I believe in Jesus. What's it mean to accept Christ? What's it mean to be saved and, and know you're going to go to heaven? And, and through him telling me his story, and, and I really just tried to listen to him and, and hear what he had to say, he told me about his experience that got him into foster care. And it was just how much he, he communicated a little bit with his biological mom through Facebook, but he had been removed from their home, him and his brother, because she beat him a um, couple times. So that was um, kind of hard to hear. And, and listen to his story was just reminded me of my own story because he, he talked about his anger and he talked about his sin and how his sin was maybe too great. Could God take his sin? Was it too great? And it, it reminded me of my own and how I, I didn't necessarily think I was worthy of being saved. And so that night we went through the Bible and, mm. and we spent the time looking up verses and, and talking to each other with, with other camp staff and his brother and saying, you know, you're worthy of God's gift. Mm. And, and that was just, like I said, a completely humbling experience. And, and wow. I gave him my Bible and I wrote him and his brother a note. And I said, you know, when you're, he's not ready yet to accept Christ, but I said, when you're ready, it's free. Yeah. Um, and God puts you just in the right place at the right time to a young man who felt worthless that you could speak your story into him and give him hope. Jen, you had a similar experience at track camp this year uh, with a young girl who uh, was really feeling brokenness. Tell us about that. 
Yeah, this was also my second year um, as a camp counselor at Girls Track. And I love having the opportunity to um, just invest in the life of a child. But I mm. realized this year how difficult that can be. Um, one of my campers um, came to camp um, very excited, very anxious to participate. Uh, but she had a story that um, still is hard for me to comprehend. Uh, it wasn't until the second day um, that she looked at me and she said, don't you know who I am? And I thought to myself, oh, mm. my gosh, have I met her before? Or, you know, mm. why should I know who she is? Yeah. And she said, um, I've been on the news a lot lately because my mom prostituted me and my younger sister out. And I remember, you know, those are words that I will never forget. Mm. And looking into the eyes of this young child and hearing her story just crushed me. And it was only through the grace of God over the next couple days that he gave me the words to say to her um, and to be able to explain to her that she's not, her identity is not that child that's on the news, but that her identity is in Christ. And I don't think without track camp that she um, may have ever heard that, you know, she was created in God's image and that he loves her just the way she is. We live in a really broken world. And sometimes the adults that are in people's lives, they're supposed to be caring and protecting them, are the ones that are doing harm to them. And Jen, it's obvious that God puts you in just the right place to speak hope into a young girl's life that was feeling worthless and that she needed to know she could have a clean start. And um, I appreciate your showing up in the midst. I know that's hard, uh, but I appreciate you doing that. Well, now we're going to turn our attention to one of the other trips that happened this summer, and that's the GO team that went to the Dominican Republic, the student-parent trip. And uh, take a look at the screen. We've got a short video here. I had really wanted to find an opportunity that I could share with my girls. It was great being here with Sarenti. It's been an awesome experience with Seth. We came to share with the kids, came to share with the adults, came to serve them in many different ways. It's just been an amazing experience, and every time you go on a missions trip, you can just feel God in yourself and see Him working. It was really neat to interact with my mom and the kids here because at church back home, I don't get to see her in that environment with the kids that we work with as much. So to be able to see her love on them and be able to teach them was cool for me. Something that I learned about God here was that He's always there. And when we were in Nebraska, I always had my phone out or distractions, and here getting to be away from all of that is really cool because I could actually hear him talk again. Um, my oldest daughter, Raven, um, for, I don't know, two years, she's been having a difficult time hearing God. And she's like, Mom, I don't know what he sounds like. What's his voice sound like? I don't, I, I, I've never heard it. 
think it was the second day we're here. Sorry. Um, she's like, Mom, I heard his voice. You know, it's kind of like um, Samuel in the temple, and he didn't know what God's voice sounded like, and he ran to Eli, and he said, um, you called, you know, Eli, and Eli's, no, no, I didn't call, and the third time, Eli's like, you know what, Samuel, go back and just say, um, you know, God, I'm listening, your servant's listening, and, and uh, that's Raven, I mean, I just think that um, she finally heard his voice, and now he knows, she knows what it sounds like. God has just shown me how much he loves me and how much he loves all the Dominicans. It was really uh, a great privilege for me to uh, lead the parent-student trip to the Dominican Republic. Uh, we just got back a week ago, and uh, there were 22 of us uh, all working together as family groups, and uh, we spent 10 days there. We work with Miguel and Kristen Shaw. They're Brookside missionaries that live there full-time, and they pointed us in the direction of some great ministry opportunities. One of our big tasks was to work with an existing church and community to reach out to the next community over where they didn't yet have a church planted. And so we got to meet those people and build relationships with them. We did kids' activities uh, each afternoon, and uh, we got to go into their homes. And uh, it was really uh, fun to re be recipients of their hospitality and uh, they were excited to have Americanos come and visit and, uh, and actually asked us to pray with them often. They had a real spiritual uh, interest as well. And uh, it was overall just a great opportunity to be in a place where there were physical needs that we could experience that in terms of poverty and hunger and those things and spiritual needs as well. But even at a deeper level and a really unique thing that we got to do is experience those things together as family groups. And uh, if you've been around Brookside very long, you know that we have a real high value here for uh, discipling within your own home, right? And uh, people live that out in a lot of different ways. I, I know I'm real excited a year from now in the uh, Wednesday night ministry, we're going to start doing a real family-oriented children's ministry program. And I've got some boys that age I'm excited to jump into that with. Um, but on this trip, I got to go with my daughter Maggie, who's in the middle school program. And uh, we just got to walk through that experience together. And that was really the highlight for me. Um, even as leading up to the trip, uh, in our training times, we all went through the book Experiencing God together, uh, which has just some real basic spiritual principles in it. And uh, it was a neat thing. As we talked about it in our training times, uh, we'd break down into our family units then and talk. And to hear uh, a daughter asking her mom, hey, what does it really mean to know what God's will is? And have that conversation. And uh, another, and a guy asking his, his dad, you know, hey, the book talks about having a love relationship with God. What does that, what does that look like for you? What does that mean? Um, and just to, just to walk in through those things together as a family, it was a really powerful thing for all of us. Once we were on the trip and uh, we were in the DR and we're looking around going, wow, what do we do now? And had that experience together too, to stop each morning and say, Lord, show us today what you have in your plan. And, uh, and then to see him really do things through that and again, to walk through that uh, in our families was a really uh, great experience for all of us. Uh, one thing really that struck me toward the end of the trip, um, we had uh, the chance to uh, see God do some really, an, an amazing thing. We, in the beginning, we were talking to people and they were saying, hey, uh, there's a drought here and it's so dry and uh, we have livestock, we have crops that are really suffering. It's supposed to be our rainy season, but it hasn't rained since April. 
and we were there late July, early August. And uh, so I think it might have even been one of the students that said, you know what, we should be praying for these folks. They need rain. And we've been talking about how God's going to do things and how he works, and we need to experience him, and let's ask for rain. We're like, okay. So we started praying together for uh, God to send some rain. We prayed in their homes for that. We prayed in their church for that. And uh, word was getting out. The Americanos are praying for rain. And uh, about the fourth or fifth day of our trip, there was a slow, steady rain all day long. And the people were looking around going, wow. And we were, too. We were saying, wow, God sent the rain. And uh, just an amazing thing. We just got together and celebrated that evening back at the house. And we always had family breakout times each night, too, when we could talk about, what did you see God do today? And uh, just to celebrate some of those things that we really saw him at work and we experienced that together. Uh, I know John and Jennifer Oliver, uh, part of the trip, brought their whole family along. You want to tell us a little bit about what that was like uh, for you guys? Uh, this year, we decided that uh, instead of taking a family vacation, that uh, we would instead take the whole family and go on a missions trip to the Dominican Republic. And I can tell you that um, it's probably one of the best decisions we've ever made. The experiences that we shared were truly life-changing and profoundly more meaningful than anything we've ever experienced on a vacation. Um, we found a warm and friendly people, and we experienced God doing truly amazing things, and things that moved us to a deeper place in our faith and our walk with Him. And upon returning home, we are closer as a family, but I think we also share a much greater appreciation for the power of prayer and the sovereignty of God. One specific instance where we really saw this magnified was in a particular family that we met. One of the very first days we visited a house, um, we met three children who were home alone. The six-year-old was taking care of and cooking dinner for her younger brothers, probably about ages four and 18 months. Um, they were totally unresponsive. They wouldn't answer questions, they didn't talk, they didn't play. So I just kind of gathered them on my lap and you know, as a mother just kind of loved on them and they sat and cried. So we were pretty affected by them and had decided as a family with Maggie that we were gonna go the next day and just spend the time with them instead of meeting new families. Well, that night I had severe pains that kept me awake all night. And as I was praying through and contemplating staying home the next day, God really spoke powerfully that this was a spiritual battle and not a physical one. So I prayed to the night and really determined to go see those two kids in the morning. When we got to that house, the mom was home, and I really thought that was a bad thing, uh, but God had a great plan in store. So as we entered in a spiritual discussion with her and she was crying, I just sat next to her and wrapped my arms around her, and my family and Maggie took care of the kids, and we witnessed firsthand Paul's words in 2 Corinthians 2, 1 through 5, when we had nothing to offer this family but Jesus Christ and him crucified. And as I was witnessing, I didn't suddenly become um, persuasive in my speech or clever, but God's power walking me through and giving her the Bible words that she needed. About 45 minutes into this discussion, she really just dropped her head and started to cry and said how she felt that God didn't love her and had forgotten her. And I told her how I felt God really sent us all the way from American to the DR and then from the DR to all the villages to her and out of all the houses in her village to her house and put a great love in our heart for her family so she would know God loved her and hadn't forgotten her. She um, then started crying more and said at her most hopeless point in her life, crying bitterly out to God, 
that God sent her a vision that he would send a white woman to her to preach the gospel. So we were just a small part in God putting a lot of pieces together in his sovereignty, being able to pray through her as she accepted Christ. And the transformation in her life was instantaneous. If you could have seen the despondent look before and the joy that just encapsulated her life afterwards. But in this family, God's miracle wasn't only just for mom. Those kids that we were really, really initially drawn to and heart was after, God transformed those too. That those children ended up interacting with us and laughing and giggling and um, God's abundance was just clear in their whole life. Well, as you can tell, we had a great experience together. We truly experienced God as we studied together beforehand and saw him do some great things there. Yeah, well, it's powerful even to see you guys here as families. That's, that's great. Yeah. Well, a few months ago, we also sent a large team to join the work of our partners at the Hope Center in Zambia. Now, the Hope Center, if you're familiar with it, if you've been with Brookside a while, you know it has a two-pronged ministry. One is caring for, adult, uh, caring for orphans, and the second is planting churches. And in May, when we came back, we shared with you about Camp Christos, the free camp that we offered to the orphans and what God did in that. It was just an amazing experience. This morning, we get a chance to share with you the other part of that trip, and that was the pastor training school. Now, one of the best ways we as Westerners can help uh, the, the local churches in other countries like Zambia is by empowering the local church leadership. Because ultimately, the health of the Zambian church rests on the shoulders of the Zambians, not us. So that's why we're all about equipping pastors and fanning into flame what God's doing there. Now, um, the video is going to describe that we're going to watch here in just a minute. It's going to describe the church planting wheel that um, is going on there that Pastor Novice was already doing before we came. But by us providing some resources and, and some um, tools for him, he's able to expand his ministry. And that church planting wheel looks like this. It's about going into the bush where people have nothing and telling them about Jesus in places where there are absolutely no churches. Those that accept Christ, gathering them together into a little group and a little community and forming a church, and then discipling one of the, the men in that church to be that little church's pastor. And then that pastor has an opportunity to go to the pastor training school to get three years of uh, periodic installments of training in theology and ministry. And our church has had the opportunity to be able to, to be the, the instructors and the trainers once a year for that. Um, so we're going to take a, a peek at this, at this video, and then after that, the student ministries are going to come up and tell us uh, about their involvement this summer. So let's take a look at Zambia. In evangelism, you cannot do well if you do not have somebody praying for you. You have to have a partner. What they do when they do church planting trips is they go out into some of the remote kind of bush villages and they'll, they'll evangelize, they'll share the gospel. People will come to Jesus and novice will plant a church there in that village. In surveying the area, we have to find out how many evangelical churches which are preaching the real gospel in that area. 
people hear so many different things, there's so many influences that are speaking into Zambia and into them, that if they don't have God's word in front of them to, to check stuff by, uh, it can really send them on a, on a trajectory in a wrong direction. If there are none, then they proceed to ask for a permission. Once we have permission then, like when we went with Aaron Shaw, we do take with us Jesus' view, make public announcement that tonight we are going to have a film show. We conclude with the invitation. We have counselors to counsel, those who accept Christ as their personal savior. Towards the end of our program, like three days on the third day, then we baptize them. The next group that would come, will come to teach them uh, spiritual growth now. The requirement for being a pastor is that somebody uh, needs to be a Christian, they need to show leadership potential, and then they need to go through a, kind of a basic discipleship course with, with some of the leadership here at the Hope Center. Yeah, it is important for the pastors to receive trainings so that they can be equipped for the work of the Lord. But eventually a leader will rise up from that congregation. That leader then goes through a, a little bit of discipleship with novice, but then they have the chance after they've done that to apply for this Hope Center a pastor school. It's cool to know that the pastors over the course of three years are getting systematic, relatively comprehensive Bible training, um, a foundation in theology. What we do here, investing in, in pastors, we are investing in churches that are investing in communities and having an impact for Jesus all throughout the region. The training, uh, the material that we have been receiving from your church, he helped us really to extend the kingdom of God. For the 16 pastors we had here at the training this week, they represent 16 different con uh, congregations, but five different regions. Do the math and it's, and it's exponential. It is also helping us, especially in our community at Teta. When they look at uh, the things that are coming from your church, the community do understand that these things are coming from a very far place. It is showing that indeed God is so great that he has brought us together to make a partnership. On behalf of all the student pastors and indeed on my own behalf, we want to really appreciate and give thanks to Brookside Church for the great works that has been done to us at this Bible school. We really appreciate for the Bibles that have been given to us, all the materials and all the teachings. We want to thank God Almighty who has touched our lives in a very special way through your ministries. Your obedience to the Lord has paved a way for the unity between Zambia and America. So, this is what we want to continue now. And you, we will rest when we see that at each local church, discipleship is going on. Well, it's 
great to see the impact we're able to have in Zambia training pastors. And I know John is excited about and the staff is excited about planning churches, especially in uh, countries where they're just unreached by the gospel, because we want people to know God's love and know the gospel, that Jesus died for them so that they could have a relationship uh, with God. And uh, I know John's really excited to share about a new opportunity we're going to have as a church to be involved in some church planting, and he'll be sharing more about that next month. But uh, as you can see, we've got a bunch of the students with us up here, and we wanted to share a little bit about our trips that we took this summer. And uh, as you know, at Brookside, we believe in uh, the next generation and raising them up, and uh, that going and, and sharing God's love with the world isn't just for adults, but it's for students too. And so we had some awesome trips to tell you about with that. Uh, so first, we took our middle school group to St. Louis uh, to do primarily urban ministry, and uh, a couple things stuck out to me on that trip. One was kind of an overarching theme uh, was that we were awakened to the needs of others, and we stayed at a church that also served as a soup kitchen, and so just served meals to homeless or just those in need, and every day we uh, ate with them and had the same food that they had. And so it was just a really eye-opening experience. And then also we were able to go out into the community and just talk with people, get to know them, pray for them. And a lot of those people we got to, to meet with were homeless. And so very just eye-opening experience for all of us and for the students uh, just to see the need that there is um, right here in America too. And uh, what was cool about this trip though was we didn't just see the needs of others, but we also got to meet those needs. And I loved watching our students, middle school students, step up and lead and let God just work through them. Uh, one of the other ministries we got to do was a children's program, and it was with these uh, kids who were just kind of, uh, just really in need of love, had been neglected or whatever, and just were pretty difficult kids. And it was great to see our students step up and lead them, and they truly led the program. It wasn't led by the adult leaders, but the students taught, and the students played the games and led those and shared Jesus, and just loved on those younger kids. And so it was really cool for me to see middle school students really doing this, leading this, and letting God use them. And uh, one of the students after the trip shared what I thought was a great kind of summary of our trip. He said that when he was with the kids, um, you know, serving, it reminded him of how much God loves us and wants to pour out his compassion on us as he loved on those kids and poured out compassion on them. So it was really cool that kind of summarized our trip, very powerful trip for us. And uh, the high school team, the high school um, trip this summer was also to the Dominican Republic. And so we had a, had a phenomenal trip as well. We um, did a lot of, of similar things that the parent-student trip did. We also worked with Miguel and Kristen Shaw, and we had a team of 33. But our primary ministry was doing VBS, a vacation Bible school for the local kids there. We did that twice a day in two different communities, um, both extremely poor communities in our morning um, spot had over 150 kids, which was way more than we expected to have, um, but did phenomenal ministry. And our team worked so well together and bonded well, um, just together as a team, but also just formed relationships with these, you know, Spanish-speaking little kids very quickly and loved them so well. But one of the primary things we were able to do is almost every day we were able to share, to share the gospel with them and, uh, and to love them by sharing the gospel with them. And um, kids came to know Christ for the very first time, and it was, it was just a, an exciting time. Um, one of the main things that we wanted them to know, though, was 
was to say, look, we, don't, we aren't coming to you because we think we're so great or we're so well off. You know, we're, we're very well off Americans. We, didn't, we wanted to make sure that they knew, look, we were once spiritually bankrupt ourselves and, and hopeless um, until Jesus saved us and came and rescued us. And so we want you to know the love of Jesus as well. And, and, uh, and they responded to that and it was meaningful for them. So um, anyway, just a powerful trip. And uh, as I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray to close the morning here in just a sec, but um, maybe think about as you go today, who, who in your life right now can you give hope to this week? Who in your life needs hope? Um, maybe it's somebody, I guess, maybe it's somebody you don't know. And as you heard about being a foster parent, um, maybe you, you know, pray with your spouse about that or something. But um, who this week maybe needs an encouraging word? So um, let me pray to close us, and then, uh, and then we'll go. So let's pray. Father, um, we, Lord, we thank you so much for all that you did this summer through these teams and through this church, God. Um, thank you for, for meeting us where we're at and going out, God. We thank you for the cross. Thank you for, for providing for us a Savior, God. We, we thank you that we have been reconciled to you through Christ. And Lord, then you give us the ministry, though you, you don't have to, you didn't have to, you give us the ministry, the mission of reconciling others to you. God, people here in our communities, in our own neighborhood, and, and around the world. Um, Father, we agree with Paul, who said to the Corinthians that the, the love of Christ compels us. The love of Christ compels us, and it does. So, God, thank you. Thank you for the joy that it is to serve in community with other believers. God, we pray that we would continue to do that. And, Lord, thank you for entrusting to us the mission of um, sharing your gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ and what that means for our lives. Um, God, it means everything. So, Lord, would you be glorified um, in all that we've done and all that we will do? God, we love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, hey, let's, let's thank God this morning for what he's done this summer. And, um, yeah. Well, Brookside, thanks, uh, thanks for being here this morning. Have an amazing week. Um, have a great week, and uh, we'll see you later.